I wonder about Moshe. He goes out as an adolescent, as a Na'ar. He's basically raised by these women of different creeds and nationalities, whatever the proper word. What they most have in common is, which it seems to be that they're women. And they have a special bond of trust in each other, maybe over skin color, maybe over where you were born or what language you speak. So he leaves that and heads out as a teenager to basically see the world of men. And what does he find? What does it mean to be a man that he finds out in society? He sees men beating an another man. One is a slave and one is an oppressor. He then sees two Hebrew men fighting. And when he says, you should stop, he tries to stand up and protect one. They say, you know what? I wouldn't talk because we know that you killed the Egyptian the other day. Uh, and that could become known. And then he ends up going to Midian, Exodus chapter 2, 16 and 17. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and filled the troughs to, to water their father's flock. Vayavou haroim, vayigarshum vayakom moshe, vayoshian vayashk et hatsonam. But shepherds came and drove them off. Moshe rose to their defense and watered their flock. You might notice a couple of interesting things about these verbs here. The shepherds come and then vayigarshum, he drove them off. If you look at the, fi the final five letters, they are a homonymous pun for what Moshe then names his son a few verses down. We think of Gershom as, I was a Gersham, I was a stranger there, which of course is itself incredibly beautifully ambiguous because where's the there that Moses was a stranger? Was it among the Hebrews? Was it among the Egyptians? Or was it among the Midianites? Probably all three. But here, we actually have the secret thing where it's maybe he's naming it after a completely unrelated word, Vayigarshum. And he was a Gershom. He drove them off. Vayakom, and he rose up, the same word used about Pharaoh rising up over Egypt and performing a coup d'etat. But here, Moshe doesn't do it to perpetrate injustice, but to perpetrate justice. Vayoshian Vayashk, and then using um, to save them and to water. Water being used for a positive purpose, which it seems to be that what he learned among women. Moshe seems perfectly comfortable rising up and doing actions of justice. When he looked to and fro and saw no one helping the poor slave, he rose up and handled the matter, whether well or poorly. He was not afraid of action. He was going to do it again with the two Hebrews. And when he ran off, he doesn't hesitate to protect this group of women or to rise up and do that. And we imagine that what a weird alternate reality this must be now. Because coming from an edict that all the male babies would be killed, he is now with a group of sisters who have no brother like the alternate reality in which that came true, but here by coincidence. But toward the end of the parasha, God tells Moshe, go and talk to Pharaoh and free the people. What does Moshe say? I'm terrible at talking. Don't send me. 
multiple excuses, bad at talking. He's great at action and bad at talking about it, right in this transition from the world of women to the world of men. In Peggy Orenstein's new book, Boys and Sex, Young Men on, and I'm almost ashamed, maybe I shouldn't read the subtitle here in Mixed Company. Boys, dot, 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 navigating the new masculinity. Now, Peggy Ornstein has made a career of writing about women, particularly teenagers, particularly teenage women, young women, and their views of sexuality, of gender, of freedom, of self-confidence, of self-image. And I've used some of her work when talking about Dina in a different context. She decided in the last couple of two years to focus on boys and their, their views. Her findings are so disturbing that I won't share them. So I'll try to share just a little piece that's a bit safer. What does it mean to use words to describe what it means to be a man today? Right? The Na'ar trying to find out what is this world of men? What does it mean? And boys talking in general. In her interviews with hundreds of college undergraduate men and teenage boys, she finds a boys in general, and I'm making generalizations, so forgive me. Now, it doesn't apply to every, every young man. Boys in general are very positive about women. They often say things like, well, girls are obviously smarter than we are. I want them to be my lab partner. I go to them when I want help with my homework. They often will say, girls make great leaders. If there's a group that's forming, I'd rather have a girl lead it. They often talk very positively about women in athletics, which is something that was probably not true when I grew up. They feel that they're strong. When they're asked, what are the great things about being a boy? They are often at a loss for words. When she used to interview young women, they would often say lots of positive things about what it means to be a woman, owning it. Boys didn't have a lot to say. They hadn't been used to having a conversation about that question. As she points out, the definition of masculinity seems to be contracting. When asked what traits society values most in boys, only 2% of male survey respondents said honesty and morality. Only 2%. When describing what is it like to be a boy, they use mas masculinity. What does it mean? They use language that some of us from previous generations are used to. You're stoic, you don't show your emotions. You try to dominate. Many of them said they don't want to be with a lab partner who's a boy, another boy, because they're going to fight it out for who's the leader. And if they're not the leader, then it looks kind of bad to others that they're being the less dominant one in the lab partner relationship. They're very concerned about how they look. One of the things they tell her is, I'll, I'll, I'll use one example. She calls him Cole. He is a high school senior. He describes himself as your basic athlete jock guy. He says the kinds of things about women that I just said. What you and I would say, he says all of the right things. But when describing what, how he operates and what is it like to be a man, he said he couldn't find his group, so he decided to do sports. He found it on the crew team. And he said, and there, the usual kinds of things say about what it means to be a man, or talk about, uh, are talked about about what it means to be a man, who's got money, who's got power, who has, uh, he says a very important thing about being a boy is to be tall. 
It's a very narrow definition, whereas in the 19th century definition, it was more common for a man to say, it's important to be a kind caretaker. He said that one thing's happened on the crew team is that he became embarrassed about the way the boys in the locker room were talking about girls. So he decided to speak up and say, I don't want to hear about numbers and hitting on girls. I don't want to hear about revenge on girls. I don't want to hear about th this business of Instagramming things and sharing them with, this, with uh, the team. And he stood up against it, and it reminds me of Moshe. And he said um, he was made fun of by the other boys. At one point, he even suggested that maybe the team could be radical and become vegan and show everyone you could have a vegan team. And they said, Cole, that's the dumbest idea ever. You sound like a girl. He decided that he didn't want to waste all of his social capital by continuing to do this. But another teammate picked it up and also kept telling them, I don't want to hear this kind of talk in the locker room. One of the things Peggy Orenstein points out is very few parents ask their sons, what is the conversation in the locker room at sports? And very few parents have conversations with their older sons when they stop doing sports, really probing why. So often it'll be like, you know what, mom, dad, I'm busy. I got SATs to study for. I've got AP courses. I don't have time for sports. She says in her interviews, often there's an alternate reason, which is the discomfort with the behavior and the talk among the other men. They still talk about the need to man up and to have conquest. When the other boy stood up against the team, he was ostracized to the point that he was no longer considered part of the social group. She says that, and I don't know if it's true, maybe people will tell me a kiddish, that the generation that she's interviewing, their greatest fear is awkwardness. They don't want to feel awkward in front of their friends. They don't want to feel awkward in front of a lover. And they don't want to feel awkward on social media. She says what commonly happens is some kind of desensitizing meme is sent around to other boys, let's say on the team or in a social group. And they want to say, I'm really sorry that you texted that. You shouldn't have said that. This is a terrible joke, this meme you sent around at a, at a girl's expense um, or at women's expense but they're worried about losing their social capital and looking awkward. She says they have a word for this. They reply with the word hilarious. She said hilarious does not mean it is funny. Hilarious means I don't want to look awkward and I'm not going to engage in this conversation anymore. So hilarious is like hilarious, that's all I have to say. I'm not going to say anything else, but it's my way of disengaging from the conversation. Her main point is that the language of masculinity, boys don't know how to talk about it. We have discomfort talking about it with them sometimes. And even when they're interviewed, they're conflicted about it themselves. And I think of Moshe, who is comfortable rising up in action for the purposes of justice, but then says, I don't want to have to talk about it. I don't want to have to talk to Pharaoh about why it's wrong. I don't want to represent it in argument or words. My wife's favorite new show is The Witcher on Netflix. And it's very strange. It's made by, from a video game. And it's about a protagonist, a man, who 
is super strong and really is annoyed about the conversations with other men. And he's not capable of emotions because of magic. And when a genie is liberated from a bottle, he gets one wish. And you don't know what it is until you find out. It is what it means. He wants to know what it feels to love and to be with a woman. And he's granted that wish. And it, it is incredibly tender and incredibly sensitive and incredibly beautiful. Of course, the women in the show are all very, very strong and full. It's mostly written by women. And Lynn said to me, this is what we're all craving, this kind of sensitivity. Where is it that we can help our boys find their way to that sensitivity, which, by the way, in the interviews, they say it is what they are craving and it is what they are seeking for themselves. Conversation with women in intimate situations, though it's, they're tempted to resist it because it could be awkward. And also, they're afraid that if they voice their desire for, these, for connection rather than merely physical conquest, they're afraid that their values will be considered in the minority. They will be isolated and ignored. Inside, they want to rise up to justice, but they can't find a language to speak. <laughs>